0: You are listening to The North Podcast, a ministry of Mount Perrin North in Marietta, Georgia. Pastor Kirk is away today with his kids. They are celebrating and honoring the life of Laura Walters, his wife, who passed away a year ago. They're in Mississippi today with their family, enjoying some family time. He called me yesterday and said, in two days I've already had two family reunions, so we probably should say a prayer for him right now. <laughs> you know how family reunions go, but no, please do lift him up in prayers They enjoy some time together as a family remembering Laura. Our guest speaker today is no stranger to Mount Perrin North. In fact, was part of Mount Perrin Ministries for 30 years. The majority of that time he was the senior pastor of this church, Mount Perrin North, and uh, in fact, um, went on from here to become the president of Lee University, the leading Christian university in North America, in, in, on earth, in the universe, the leading university he and his wife, Udella, uh, were the ones that brought me here 13 years ago to be part of this staff and just want to say thank you so much for your investment in me, investment in this church. It was a great time of leadership and development for me. Thank you for your patience in (laughs) helping me grow, but it's just an honor and privilege to have you with us today. So friends, would you please put your hands together and let's welcome our pastor emeritus, Dr. Mark Walker.
1: Thanks, Jason. Very good. Back at you. Back at you. Good morning, everyone. It's wonderful. Wonderful to see you. It's always a privilege and a pleasure uh, to be back at Mount Perrin North. Um, Youdella, by the way, youdella's right down there. Youdella, you want to stand up, baby, and just wave to the folks? She decided to stay with me, so we're still going strong. We're we're, uh, 39 years, right, baby? almost 40, 40 in January. Yeah, yeah. We're expecting our fifth grandchild. If y'all have not heard that, maybe you have, maybe you haven't. Yeah. Our oldest son, Justin, and his wife are expecting their third. So uh, we are doing well. God is is blessing us. And uh, well, we've been gone six years now In our seventh year at Lee, my fourth year as president. And I know there is Many folks that have come to Mount Perrin North that uh, weren't here when we were here, but I know there's still many that were here when we were here. And regardless, coming back to Mount Perrin North is always coming home. You may have to, you may take us out of Mount Perrin, but you can't take Mount Perrin out of us. And uh, we, we truly, I, I'm grateful to Pastor Kirk uh, for always giving us the invitation to come back and be with you. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a distinct joy um, always to be back here at this this amazing church with these amazing people. I want to talk to you today um, about a quality of character that um, I believe and I think research and experience would also uh, uh, play out to say that this quality of character is needed in every relationship if it's going to succeed, if it's going to be vibrant, if it's going to be healthy, productive And godly. And especially this quality of character is needed in leadership. As we find ourselves heading into another presidential election and the campaigns are already underway, um, this is a quality of leadership we want to see in the person we would love to have leading this nation. And to look at this quality of character, we're going to look at Genesis chapter 39. If you have a Bible and want to turn there, you're more than welcome to. When I get to these scriptures, they will also be on the screen. So uh, let's pray and we'll go to God's word together. Father, thank you for all your many blessings. Thank you, God, for the presence of your spirit that has been here for the beautiful time of worship, this beautiful time of ministry that occurred here in these altars. And I pray the work of, uh, that uh, you were doing in these altars will come to pass in a very real and transformative way. And now, Lord, enable us to uh, hear your word today and, and let you speak to our hearts. Uh, may you uh, uh, challenge us, convict us. May you comfort us. Uh, may you transform us, God, um, as only you can. And, and now, Lord, I ask you to give me the words you want me to say. I'm not here to perform Lord, I'm simply here to, uh, to be someone for you to speak through to all of our hearts. And Lord, we want this to happen for one purpose, your praise, your glory, and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to read to you a, a top 10 list. And this top 10 list is the the most common phrases used when a person is exercising this particular behavior uh, that this top 10 list reflects. In other words, these are the top 10 most common what. And uh, see if you can guess what these are the top 10 most common things of. The top 10 most common things number one, I'm fine. Number two, I've read and agreed to the above terms. Number three, I don't lie. Number four, I'm sick. Number five, wow, you look great in that outfit. Number six, don't worry, it'll be okay. Number seven, I'll be there in five minutes. Eight, sorry, I forgot. Nine, I don't care. Number 10, I love you. Okay, what are those the top 10 most common what? Lies. How many of you say lies? Yeah, that's about everybody in the room. Here's my question. How do we know those are the top 10 most common lies? Yeah, we use them, right? <laughs> you bunch of liars. Now I'm going to open the altar and have you come down and <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we've used these in a lying way and we all have lied and maybe that's a reflection of a greater quality that I want to talk about that we tend to struggle with. And as I said, this quality really has to be there in every relationship for it to be truly a healthy, godly relationship. And it needs to be in leadership if leadership is truly going to be godly as well. James Coozes and Barry Posner Our two researchers for the past 30 to 40 years have been the leading researchers in terms of what makes effective leaders. And in their research, um, they uh, show some things that really reflect this quality that I'm talking about. And here's some of the things that their research reveals. Number one, the number one question people want to know about their leaders is, who are you? What are your values? What are your passions? What makes you up? What's your beliefs? What do you stand for? A second revelation is the number one quality people want in their leader is honesty. Someone who's going to be telling them the truth. Number three, the foundation of leadership is credibility. They want trustworthy leaders. And number four, the number one leadership behavior that demonstrates credibility is doing what you say you will do. S Y W D. If you want to try to get that on a bracelet, go for it. But all of these to me, and what we're talking about, this quality is the quality of integrity. We want leaders of integrity, that they are who they say they are, that they do what they say they'll do. Warren Buffett, who is considered to be one of the leading investors and business persons and entrepreneurs, really, anywhere, um, he founded the company. Uh, Berkshire Hathaway, which owns dozens of companies, companies like Duracell and Dairy Queen and Geico. He's 92 years old. He has an estimated net worth of $115 billion. Here's what he said about integrity. He said, in looking for people to hire, look for three qualities, integrity, intelligence, and energy. If they don't have the first one, the other two will kill you. Being a leader for a long time, he's absolutely right. Proverbs says this, Proverbs 11:3, 3. Honesty guides good people. Dishonesty destroys treacherous people. Proverbs 10, 9. People with integrity walk safely, but those who follow crooked paths will be exposed. We want leaders of integrity. We want parents of integrity. We want employers and employees of integrity. We want neighbors of integrity. Anybody we engage with in any single given day, we want them to be people of integrity. But what does that look like? How can we see that in action? Well, that brings us to Genesis 39. We're going to look at a story of Joseph. Now, if you've never read the Joseph story in Genesis, man, go read this story. It's an amazing story. And we're gonna take a, just a, a look at a sliver of his life and what he encountered, but as a reflection of what his life was truly all about. But let me give you a little backdrop here as to who Joseph is. Joseph is the son is one of 12 sons of Jacob. Jacob is the son of Isaac. Isaac is the son of Abraham. So Joseph is the great grandson of Abraham. Now Jacob loved his son Joseph more than the other 11 sons. He showed tremendous amount of favoritism towards Joseph. One way he did that is he had a beautiful coat of many colors made for Joseph and none for the rest of his sons. So his sons were very jealous of Joseph. They were angry with him. They were embittered towards him. So they plotted to get rid of him. And they sold him into slavery to a band of Ishmaelites that were headed down to Egypt. Then they took his coat of many colors, dipped it in animal blood, went and took that coat to Jacob, their father, and said, your son Joseph has been killed by wild animals. We pick up the story where Joseph is in Egypt. Now I'm going to read 22 verses. They'll be on the screen. This will get all of you way ahead in your Bible reading for this week. So let's go together here. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. And sin against God. And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants were inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she told them. This Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make sport of me, But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, This is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Can you say amen to the reading of God's word? It's an incredible story to me, and I want to make three observations. There's so many things we could look at in this story. But just three observations very quickly about integrity in action. First of all, God's favor does not exempt me from responsibility. God's favor doesn't exempt me from the responsibility of being a person of integrity. All throughout this story, it says God's favor rested upon Joseph. God blessed and prospered Joseph. His grace was upon him. But Joseph did not use that grace, that favor of God, as an excuse to live how he wanted to live and treat people any way he wanted to treat people. He didn't use the favor of the Lord as as a sense of entitlement or some kind of special treatment. And instead of the grace of God, taking him into less responsibility, I believe it actually motivated Joseph into greater responsibility. You see, you and I that know this grace of God, this wonderful grace that Jason was just talking about a moment ago, this wonderful freedom that has been given to us in Christ. We don't deserve it. We don't earn it. It's not something that we have, God said, well, now, finally, they've reached it. I've given this unto him. No, it is out of his wonderful love for us that he has given this to us, but it's not for us to use to live how we want to live, but actually God gives us that grace so we can be in relationship with him and live the life he wants us to live. His grace empowers us to be the people he wants us to be. And the people he wants us to be are the people that we were designed to be from the very beginning. And the grace of God should never, ever take his people into a lesser sense of responsibility. It should motivate us into a greater sense of responsibility and a greater life of integrity. I heard the story of a man named Joe, a different Joe, not the Joseph we're talking about here. He was a homeless man who lived, supposed to be a true story, lived in the inner city of a major city here in America, and Joe, besides being homeless, also struggled with alcohol. And any time he got any money, he would usually spend it on alcohol and and get drunk. And when he got drunk, he was very belligerent. He was very mean-spirited. He was difficult to manage. And there was a little mission church downtown in the area where Joe hung out. And every evening, they would open up this church to feed any homeless people who needed a meal as well as provide bed space for those that might need to sleep. But they also held a worship service every night. And Joe would often go into that mission, but too many times he would be drunk and be too belligerent and disruptive, they had to ask him to leave. And he had this reputation of just being this mean-spirited, angry man. Well, one night in that little mission church, he accepted Christ. And the grace of God through Christ transformed Joe, truly transformed him. He got cleaned up. He got off alcohol. He was able to find a job. He got off the streets. But every night he would come back to that little mission church to serve. He would serve food. He would bring food. He would clean the mission church to get church to get it ready to open. He would clean the bathrooms. If a homeless person came in there drunk or on some type of drug-induced condition, he would help to take care of them. His reputation totally totally turned around. And one night, and that little mission pastor was preaching a sermon to several of the homeless men there. One man in the middle of his sermon got up, came down, knelt right beside that preacher. And he began to cry out for everybody to hear, oh, God, make me like Joe. I just want to be like Joe, God. Make me like Joe. And that preacher leaned down and said, sir, I believe you need to pray, Lord, make me like Jesus. That homeless man looked up at that preacher and said, preacher, is Jesus like Joe? Is Jesus like Joe? See, that's what the grace of God is to do. That's what the favor of God is to do. To move us, motivate us, drive us, compel us to reflect him, not to be People of less integrity, but of the greatest integrity on the planet. God's favor doesn't exempt me from responsibility. A second observation I would say to you is, sometimes fleeing is your only option. Sometimes you just need to tuck tail and run. This is what happens here. Joseph finally had to physically run from this woman. He comes in one day to do his regular responsibilities and there's not any other servants in the room. Nobody's in the house but Potiphar's wife and him. And she grabs him, the story says, and says, come to bed with me. Well, if he wanted to take advantage of that situation, this was the time to do it. Nobody else there but her and him. This this was the time for him to take advantage of the situation. They were all alone, just the two of them. Well, let me clarify that. There was a third person in the room. Let me just remind all of us, we're never alone. There's always another person. His name's the Holy Spirit. He's not there to condemn. He is there to convict. He's there to call us out. He's there to give us the power to run. And if we do cross the line, he's there to pick us up if we'll turn to him. But Joseph ran. But before he physically ran away, I believe he had already emotionally and psychologically run and distance himself from Potiphar's wife. Verse 10 shows us something interesting. It says, and and though she, Potiphar's wife, spoke to Joseph day after day, day after day she's trying to seduce him, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. Look at that phrase, even be with her. It wasn't sinful for him to be with her, maybe just spend a little time. Not go to bed, but just spend a little time. There was nothing wrong with that. There's nothing sinful there, but he knew. He knew he couldn't even linger there with her. He knew that was too close to the line. He knew his weaknesses. He knew his vulnerabilities. And if he was to even just spend a little time with her in that way, he knew he would not be able to resist the rest of the way. He understood he couldn't even entertain it. See, I truly believe a life of integrity is built over a series of moments of integrity throughout the daily lives that we live every single day. Every single day, we are all faced with integrity moments of decisions and choices. And it's those decisions throughout the day that build the foundation for us to stand upon so when the big temptations comes, we have a way to stand. And just the opposite, those those daily types of choices of integrity, when we decide we're going to take a shortcut or cut a corner or rationalize or, or justify that begins to erode the foundation so that when the big temptation comes, we got nothing to stand on. Is this making sense to anybody? When They found the wreckage of the Titanic. I believe it was back in the 70s, perhaps the 80s. They, they dived down to, to check the wreckage, and one of the things they were looking for was, was uh, the hull or a part of the hull Where that that rammed into the iceberg, what they expected to find was this huge hole in the hull, but that's not what they found. What they found were seven gashes in the hull, and those gashes were deep enough that allowed that water to seep in and keep seeping in and keep seeping in until the Titanic. Couldn't float anymore. See, I don't believe the big fall, the scandalous type things that we see where people have fallen didn't just happen in that one moment. It was the result of the gashes of our lack of integrity over a amount of time to where we just couldn't stand anymore. There's nothing shameful in running. Sometimes you just have to flee. You gotta know your vulnerabilities, your weaknesses. You have to understand that. And maybe a way to help all of us do that is I just ask you, who who in your life is, is an accountability person to you? A group of people that, that tell you what you need to hear, what not just what you want to hear. Those that will get in your face when they see you veering or even those you have in your own life that you get in their face when they're veering to help us all stay accountable. It's, it's like the video that they showed earlier about being with people. We're better together. Who, who might be those folks to help you stay away from the line? When I was a freshman in college, I attended Reinhardt Junior College just right up the road. It's, it's the University of Reinhardt now. This was, was back in the 70s, and the only thing that was up in Waleska, Georgia, still is, uh, and the only thing in Waleska then was a caution light, a caution blinking light. Waleska wasn't even big enough to have a red light. And I roomed with a, 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 a student from England. His name was Sean, and he was a a uh, devout atheist. I grew up in this Christian conservative church. of God home, he was a devout atheist. We had some very interesting conversations that semester about God, the Bible, Jesus, and we respected one another. We became very good friends. One day, Sean and I and were in the room of, of another couple of guys, and Sean and these other couple of guys pulled out an adult magazine, and they're looking at this adult magazine, and I'm standing the other side of the room, and I'm looking at them, and I'm feeling left out, like the oddball. I want to be a part of what's going on, but they put the magazine down, and I walk over to the table, just kind of saunter over there. And I start to open the magazine, and this huge hand slams the magazine down out of my hand, and it's Sean. He says, Mark, what are you doing? He said, This isn't you. Don't compromise who you are to be like us. Now, folks, you hadn't been convicted until you've been convicted by a devout atheist. But can I say to you, that's how much God loves us? He'll use anything. In one story, he used a donkey. I don't know, maybe get some atheists in your life. There's no shame in running. Sometimes it's the only option. The last observation I'll share with you is this. The ultimate purpose of integrity is to honor God. Look at verse 9. This is Joseph responding to Potiphar's wife as she is trying to seduce him. Here's what he says. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? His whole motivation for being this person of integrity was to honor God. It was to honor him. That's that's what drove him. It it wasn't certainly the situation. It wasn't the circumstances. If his integrity was based on just being in good circumstances or just being treated fairly or just being done right, then he never would have been a person of integrity. He would have gone to bed with her immediately. He experienced some of the greatest injustice. He experienced some of the greatest unfair treatment, some of the greatest mistreatment. His own family, his own brother sold him into slavery. He does the right thing. He runs from Potiphar's wife. He never entertains it. He honors God. He ends in prison. But then what happened when he went to prison? He continued to be this person of integrity. He ran the whole prison. And read the rest of the story. He ends up being second in command in all of Egypt. Saved the entire nation. Saved the remnant of the Jewish people who brought us the Messiah. Well, I'm, I'm tired of telling you this. Read your Bible. Read the story for yourself. I can tell you everything. See, integrity isn't about circumstances or situation or just treatment. It's about honoring the character of God. Joseph was God's representative to that household. He was God's representative to that prison regardless of how he got there because it's it wasn't about circumstances and situations. It was about him. I'm not saying that It didn't hurt him. I'm not saying he didn't wrestle and struggle with anger at times. It doesn't really indicate in the story what all of his emotions were. But I'm sure, being a human being, he wrestled with all of that. But that wasn't going to govern his behavior. That wasn't going to govern his attitude. That wasn't going to govern his thinking. It was all about honoring his God. Lee Strobel is perhaps one of my favorite authors. Lee Strobel, before he became a follower of Christ, was also a devout atheist. He was an investigative journalist that worked. uh, It's either the Chicago Sun-Times or the Chicago Tribune, and I, I, I can't recall which of the two. And he set out... As this atheist and this investigative journalist, he set out to use those skills to disprove Christianity, to just show that it's totally bunk. But in that process, he discovered Jesus is who he claimed to be. And looking at all the evidence, and he chose to follow Christ. He became a pastor for a time, and now he's an author and speaker writes a lot of books, The Case for Christ, The Case for Faith, all those types of books. I've read every one of them. He he talks about having a relationship with a small business owner who, who wasn't a believer, but who was open to the conversation of Christianity, who was intrigued by this. And Lee tells a story about a conversation he has with this small business owner about an encounter that this business owner has with one of his employees. Let let me read this to you. This is what this business owner says to Lee. You know, he said, Lee, I was naturally drawn to to God by observing Christian workers who were conscientious and kind and thorough and aggressive on the job. He said, but I'll tell you what really impressed me. One day, a guy who I knew to be a fresh Christian convert asked if he could see me after work i agreed to meet with him but later in the day i started to worry that this young religious zealot might be coming to try and convert me too i was surprised when he came in my office with his hang, head, head hanging very low he said to me sir i only take a few minutes but i'm here to ask your forgiveness over the years i've worked for you i've done what a lot of other employees do i've like borrowing a few company products here and there. I've taken extra supplies. I've abused telephone privileges. I've cheated the time clock now and then. He said, but I became a Christian and it's real. In gratitude for what Christ has done for me in obedience to him, I want to make amends to you and the company for the wrong I've done. So, Could we figure out a way to do that? And if you have to fire me for what I've done, I'll understand. I deserve it. Or if you want to give me some extra work to do on my own, that would be okay too. I just want to make things right with God and between us. Well, that business owner and that employee did work things out. He didn't fire him. But this is what this business owner said to Lee Strobel. He said, That conversation with that Christian employee made a deeper spiritual impact on me than anything else ever had. He said it was the single most impressive demonstration of true Christianity he had ever witnessed. See, it's all about him. Because you see, the God of Christianity who exists Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is who he says he is, and he does what he says he'll do. He's a God of integrity. We, his people who call him our Lord and Savior, we want to be those people. Why? Because that reflects who has changed and saved our lives. Let's bow our heads. And I want to say a prayer for those in this room right now who may feel like, you know, maybe you don't feel like it. Maybe it's even happened to you. You've been mistreated. You've been uh, dealt with unjustly. and You're hurting. You're dealing with anger. And I can understand that. And I just want to pray that in that place, you're still going to be that person of integrity. You're, you're going to do the right thing, even, even in that place of hurt. And maybe you're here, and you know nobody else does, but you and the Lord know you're, you're, you're getting too close to that line. You know you are. I'm going to pray you, you have the courage, and God gives you the courage and the strength to, to move the other direction. Maybe there's some in here you know you've already crossed the line. I'm going to pray for you that you'll simply confess that to the Lord. You'll simply give it to him in a sincere heart of repentance. And that his forgiveness and peace will flood your soul and begin to lead you back to where you need to go. And I'm also going to pray for those in this room that in your family or in your workplace or wherever it may be, you you feel very alone because you're surrounded by a lot of forces and a lot of temptations and people of a lack of integrity, and you feel like you're the only one there. Well, I want to tell you right now, as lonely as that feels, the Lord Jesus Christ is with you there by your spirit, by his spirit. And he's there to strengthen you, to be that voice, to be that person of integrity in the midst of where you find yourself Father God in the name of Jesus I bring every single person sitting in this room including myself I pray for those right now who feel the mistreatment have been dealt with unjustly and or hurting. I just pray for, for for the healing and the hurt, God. I, I, I pray that uh, you, you'll give them the strength and the power to, to continue to be a person of integrity, to continue to do the right things, even in those places of hurt right now, Father. May they feel the comfort of your presence and the strength of your power. For those that know right now they're getting close to the line, I pray in Jesus' name, you give them the courage to run, that they right now are going to take the steps they need to take to move away from that line. And those that have crossed it, as they confess to you, as they come in repentance, that they will feel the forgiveness that only you can give and the cleanliness that only you can provide. begin to walk with you back to the place they need to be and for those in their homes or in their workplaces that are surrounded by just a lot of different viewpoints a lot of people wanting to do things not your way i pray you make them as wise as serpents and as gentle as doves to be your light in that place god may they feel your strength in them right now rising up within them giving them the confidence and assurance You have them there to be your light in that place. Father, I pray this all for those that call Mount Perrin North their church. May this truly be a church that walks in the fullness of integrity so that your name will be honored and lifted up in all things. We ask it now for your praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. (laughs)
0: All right, North, we can do a little bit better than that. Can we show our appreciation to Dr. Mark today? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for the word that you brought today. Hopefully you're inspired to go out there and live a life of integrity and make a difference in the world, yeah? Yeah, let's all stand together. Before we dismiss today, I want to make you aware of a couple of things. Uh, If you're new to North... Or you want to go a little deeper and get a little more connected there's a couple of papers in the seat back in front of you love for you to fill those out drop them in a giving box on your way out or better yet we've got a table in the atrium behind you called the connection point we would love to meet with you face to face and help you make those connections and also in our lobbies today there are tables with signs by them We are promoting our next session of life groups here at North, which start this week, our fall session of life groups. So please stop by the table, find a life group to get connected with, start growing in discipleship and growing in relationship with God and with others. We look forward to seeing you out in our lobby spaces today to help you make that connection. Also, since we're celebrating this morning, I want us to celebrate together today. In both of our services, eight people gave their hearts to Jesus. Isn't that awesome? That's great. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right, before we dismiss today, allow me the privilege of blessing you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his countenance towards you and give you peace. Let's give our response. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God bless you. Have a great afternoon. We love you. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to learn more about North, be sure to check out our website at mountparanorth.com. If you have any questions, you can email us at info at or give us a call at 770-578-9081. And if you're in the Marietta, Georgia area, we'd love to have you join us for worship next Sunday at 945 or 1115 a.m. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.